0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon. You are very welcome to Liveline. Katie Hannon with you until three today. Now, we have a very special show for you today, a real treat. Um, you have to be you have to uh, be prepared for everything. You never know who you're going to hear on the live line. But to be honest with you, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I would ever get to say good afternoon, Dolly Parton. <laughs> well, good afternoon to you. I've got a lot of things to talk about and. I guess we can just catch up on several things and people we know. Absolutely. I don't know if you heard about Dolly Day. No. What's that? Okay. so in my hometown, which is Listowel in County Kerry, uh, they organised Dolly Day this summer, which was broke, smashed, actually, the record for the biggest gathering of people dressed as you ever in the history of the world. About that. Was that the Guinness Book of World Records thing that they were trying to set? Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I even saw some of the pictures uh, and some of the uh, all the the different wigs and hairdos. So they should have had we should have had a picture in my book with them, shouldn't we? We should have had a picture in your book. And I was thinking that book. And I let me tell you, that was my cousin Cora that organized uh, that Dolly Day. And it was a massive, massive uh, success in Kerry. They raised 75,000 euro. But I was thinking your book, which is, let's tell people, Behind the Seams, My Life in Rhinestone which is all about all your outfits, all those fabulous, fabulous rhinestone outfits, the wigs. That would have been such a help for all those people trying to dress up as you that last summer. Well, it would have been. But may I just take a moment to say thank you to all the gals that uh, dressed up like me. I was proud of all of you. You made me proud. Can I talk a bit about your style then? Because um, the book is such a lovely production. There's some fabulous photographs there going right through the years. And I was really surprised to learn, like, you've been preserving your outfits right from way back to the early days. Yes, that's true. My best friend, Judy Ogle, who's been my best friend since we were in grammar school, uh, she traveled with me after we got out of school. She came to work with me. And so we traveled all over the world together all all the years that I've been in the business and she just started collecting everything keeping everything and putting everything in storage saying someday you're going to have a museum and so sure enough I did have a museum at Dollywood and then of course we had so many more things in storage and things that she had kept and so we just started uh, putting it together somebody said well you had your song teller book which was all about your songwriting and telling stories about your emotions and where you were and why you wrote it well why don't you do one about your clothes because that chronicles your life in costumes like that one does in songs and so that's where the idea came from and we started pulling all these great pictures and all these wonderful uh, times, all these crazy wigs and all the crazy things I've worn through the years. The, I kind of say the, the good, the bad and the ugly, but it was all in there and all part of my, my journey in my life as a, as a country music star. And I had uh, one of the things I love about the book, it gives me an opportunity to kind of uh, put out fronts the, the people that have done the clothes, or if they're passed on, a lot of them have, uh, to talk to their families and how they thought about it and how, what they remember about the people that made the clothes. So it's really an emotional book. It really touches on a lot of great subjects and just interviewing all these people. My niece, Rebecca Seaver, 
who curated the whole thing. She put the all the pictures, took the pictures, and did all the putting that together. She had a lot of help, of course. And then uh, a little gal named Holly George Warner, she really took over and filled in with the writing with me, making sure that we had all that good. So I'm just proud to feature them as well as all these wonderful uh, designers that are in the book. Yeah, and I know you say you had 200 wigs at one stage. Oh, I'm sure I must have that many. I always just joke and say I wear one almost every day, so I must have at least 365. I don't know. Of course, we change them out, of course, and I donate uh, wigs and clothes to different um, museums or for different charities to, to sell. So I have lots of clothes that are not in this book. I have warehouses full of costumes and things that I've uh, kept through the years. And so who knows, we may have a volume two. Uh, you don't know for sure until you see how well one does. But honestly, uh, I really think this book is very good. It's it's very fun to, to read. It's very fun to look at, just seeing how all the crazy ways I've looked since I started at 10 years old and uh, back home in Sevier County, Tennessee, my hometown, singing on local radio and television and at the fair fairgrounds when the fair came to town and so it I talk about all those things and the journeys that I've that I've taken with other people as well and the, your style where it came from because it wasn't it wasn't how people were dressing where you were where you were growing up no it wasn't <laughs> but uh I was always one of those kids that wanted to be different and I was different and so I was kind of show busy in my head in my mind I wanted to be more I wanted to be colorful I wanted to stand out wanted to be noticed I guess <laughs> it's the best I could figure uh, but it just seemed natural for me to want to wear the kind of clothes I wore even when I got in trouble for wearing some of them with my preacher grandpa or even mama sometimes would think, now that's a little much. And my daddy would just say, that's too much. Go take it off. But I just, as soon as he went to work, I'd go put it back on. So I wasn't doing it to be mean. I was just doing it because that's what I felt I needed to do. So I guess that's what true fashion is, is just wearing what you feel good in and what you're comfortable in. And what I loved, well, we've been talking a lot on uh, this show this week and the last couple of weeks about really strong women, amazing women. And I just loved uh, reading about your mother again. Oh, my mom was great. My mom had a great personality. She was a singer, too. But mama had a very open mind and she had a very open heart, very much like like I do. I inherited a lot of that from her. But mama understood me. She got it. She knew that she could trust me somehow, and she would help me kind of do little little things now and then when, in the clothes that I was wearing when I started. When I got older and still home and singing on TV, if I wanted, you know, a little extra push-up and, you know, to make my boobs go together a little more, all that. Well, Mom would say, you better not tell your daddy, you know. I, I helped with that. I said, I don't tell my daddy nothing. You, if you tell him, you tell him. I'm not telling. But anyway, she was. She just always understood, and she would never go over the top. But she, she would help me a little bit if I needed her to sew something for me that wasn't really something I could find somewhere else. 
she'd help me because she could sound good. And of course, famously, one of the most famous songs you've ever recorded and it's been recorded by so many others as well, The Coat of Many Colours. That's still yeah. one of your favourite songs, isn't it? I think it is my favourite song. I, I get asked that question so many times and I keep thinking maybe I'll have a new one come along at some point to say, well, Coat of Many Colours used to be my favourite song. But no, that one stays in there only because it, it marked a a period in time that was very deep to me, memorable to say the least. And it, it changed me in a way. Uh, it made me uh, grow up kind of in a way to know that uh, everybody's not uh, the same as kids. You can't fault kids. Kids always make fun of each other and all that. But I was very sensitive and I took it, you know, yeah, just really hard. Remind us, Dolly, if, if people still don't know the story. And I mean, and just rem- yeah. remind people as well, your mother had 12 children before she was, by the time she was 35. So there yeah. wasn't a lot of fancy anything around the house. But this coat came out of that. Yeah, so Mama used to make quilts and people used to give her lots of colored scraps to make quilt tops and all. But she made me a little coat of many colors at a time when I needed it. And she told me the story about Joseph from the Bible. And of course, it was made out of so many different colors. And I wore it to school so proud of it because I thought I looked like Joseph in the Bible. <laughs> but the kids all laughed and ripped my cold up and all that. And I was just really hurt about it. So I went home uh, crying to Mama about it and telling them they said we was poor and my coat was just rags and mama said hey look we are not poor there's a lot of poor people in this world now we might not have store-bought stuff but we might not have money but we're rich in love and we're rich in kindness and we're rich in a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't have so i don't want you to ever say we're poor because we're not so anyway it's just the little line in the book just because we had no money I was rich as I could be in that coat of many colors that mama made for me. So it's a lesson in bullying other kids, making fun of me. It's a lesson in good mamas, parents, family. And it's it's a book about just strength and, and being different. And, it yeah. you know, just diversity. A recording of you singing that song is very famous in Ireland. I don't know if you recall this. Back in... Kerry, you you dropped into a pub in Ventry. It's, it was owned at the time by um, a very famous sports star here, a football star. And you were persuaded to do an impromptu version of that. And it was it was recorded um, and you played with Steve Cooney and Seamus Begley here. And it really is uh, an amazing, an amazing story and an amazing recording. Yeah, I remember that very well. I was with my friend Walter Hagen, who was yes. uh, Irish, and he uh, had we'd gone over on a trip, and every corner had a pub, and I uh, I said, well, I'm going to go in this one. So we went in, and uh, we just had a, a ball that night, and they asked me if I'd sing, and of course I did. And you know you got a jersey from the owner of that pub, and again, that owner was from, it's from, again, it's from the county I'm from here, and... Uh, Uh, That owner is one of the most famous footballers from that county and he gave you a jersey that he wore. He had been the captain for that we won the All-Ireland final. And uh, so that's our bit of iconic, a bit of iconic uh, clothing that you have from here. Well, he might want to know that I have that jersey in a frame hanging in my basement, which is my recreation room where I have my games and all that. And everybody asks about that big green jersey, you know, the white and green 
jersey there. And uh, so I'm very, very proud of that. I kept it. And went, uh, when I brought it home, I put that up on the wall and it's been there ever since. I think he warned you that he never watched it after the match, so it might have uh, some issues there. I thought I smelled something in that basement. Is that him? <laughs> yeah, he's actually, he's passed. He's passed, unfortunately, since that time. But his family, I'm sure, would be thrilled to hear that you still have that. I take pride in it. I do. You know, speaking of people who have passed, um, that one of the musicians who played with you that night, Seamus Begley, he's now gone, but also, of course, the brilliant Sinead O'Connor. I always feel uh, for our brothers and sisters that pass on, but I always felt connected to her. And uh, so she she was very, very sweet. And I hated to hear that she was gone. I know she had a real hard life, but you could tell it in her music. You could tell what all she went through. And sometimes that makes the best singers, people that live, you know, what they're what they're singing about. And uh, Nothing Compares to You is one of my favorite songs. And that was also written by Prince. And I did one of Prince's songs in my new rock album. Uh, the rock, uh, It's called Rockstar, the album. And I did Purple Rain. And I... I was a big fan of his writing and uh, I just loved that, that, her version of that. She did an amazing version of one of your own songs as well, Dagger Through My Heart. Oh, yes, she did. And I was surprised that she sang that. I wrote that song back in my teenage years. And then when I heard that she had recorded Dagger Through My Heart, I, I was just really, really impressed. And delighted. Can I talk about your rock album now? Because that is an amazing departure for you, Dolly. I know you've said your husband, Carl, was an influence there. Oh, he was. He loved rock music. And that's all I've ever heard on a radio from him for for the most part. Every once in a while, I'll hear him play a little something else. But for the most part, he's got it blaring full blast, any rock and roll that, uh, going on. So I used to think I'd do a rock album, but I kept getting older and I thought, nah, probably never going to happen. And then they put me in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I thought, yes, I'm going to do it even if I'm older now. And I think it turned out great. I have a lot of great iconic songs that I've always loved and he loved and a lot of people out there love, favorites. And then, of course, I got a lot of those wonderful iconic singers that wrote or sang the songs to be on on the album with me. So uh, it's out uh, in a few days. And it's the album's called Rockstar. Uh, just tongue-in-cheek, I thought, here I am doing a rock <laughs> album. But I turned out really well and, and I'm real proud of it. And I think I'm, it's some of my best work. And some of the most amazing people, as you say, have, uh, and of course, because it is you, Dolly, I'm not surprised at all. Nobody would say no to you. But Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, Elton John. Oh, we got just so many others. We got Sting. You know, we've got Stevie Nicks. We got Pink and uh, Brandy Carlisle that sang on uh, Mick Jagger's Satisfaction. And uh we got Peter Frampton. So many people, I can't even remember all their names well, at the moment. Well, one you will remember, of course, is your godchild, Miley, Miley Cyrus. Oh, Miley Cyrus, yeah, and Ann Wilson and uh, Joan Jett, the Blackhearts. They, I did a, uh, her song, uh, Hate Myself for Loving You, and she sang along with it, Melissa Etheridge and uh, Steve Perry, Steve Tyler. Oh, we just got so many great people. John Fogarty, lots and lots of great artists with lots of great songs. It's incredible. I saw the video for your the songs you've out. You look amazing in it. Can I just say? Well, thank you. Steve Summers did all my clothes for uh, 
for the rock album because I wanted Molly said you gotta if you're gonna do a rock album Matt Dolly you gotta look like a rock star and you do you so do well we went all out with that so uh, I enjoyed doing it and she even suggested you know the photographers some people that she had used you know I'm very close to Molly and I'm really proud of our version of of uh, Wrecking Ball you know, in the album. But yeah, we did a whole brochure. There's a big brochure inside the album where you can see all the different clothes and different things. So I had, it was like a treat getting to dress up. I felt like a kid, you know, playing dress up. <laughs> but it was all fun. And so I think people are probably going to enjoy it. I, I know I did, and I hope people enjoy it. I know it's a good piece of music. Can I talk now about uh, your dad? Because we were talking about your mom, you were talking about Carl, but I know your dad had a very, a huge influence on you, but for a very important reason. Well, my dad helped me start the Imagination Library, which is my literacy program where we give books to children from the time they're born. They get a book once a month until they start school. That way they can learn to read. And uh, my dad wasn't able to read and write because he grew up in a bigger family than I did. There's 12 of us, but I think there's even more than that. And daddy, you know, grew up in those rural areas where you had to walk a couple miles to school. And most of the time you had to stay home. So a lot of people didn't get a chance to get an education. So I wanted to do something nice for my dad. So I got him involved with me with this little program just to have there in our home county. And danged if it didn't turn out to be worldwide now. And Daddy got to live long enough to see uh, it being so prosperous and hearing the kids call me the book lady and taking pride in the fact that he'd helped me put it together. Because my dad was really smart. Daddy had a lot of great ideas, a lot of great suggestions. And so uh, I'm so proud of that whole program. We've given over 215 million books away uh, since we started this. Unbelievable. 213 million books and over 200,000 of those books were given away to children in Ireland, Dolly. I mean, it's an incredible achievement. Like, what a legacy to leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm as proud of that as anything I've ever done. I'm sure that'll be one of the things I hope to be remembered for because I think you can't do enough for our children. And to be able to put that many books in the hands of that many children uh, just warms my heart all over. Can I just say, we have, you know, you we are a call-in show here. Our, our listeners... Uh, our listeners call into us. This is how we uh, the show uh, normally goes. And we have a listener on the line now who is a parent of one of those millions of children that you have actually put a book into the hands of. Will you? Would, can I bring on Sandra? Sandra, oh, good afternoon. Do. Hi. Sandra. Hi, Dolly. How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm good. Sandra, what age is your daughter? Yeah. She's three. She's going to be four in December. Oh, uh, that's the perfect yeah. <laughs> Brilliant age. What does she like about the uh, Imagination Library, Sandra? Well, for, she was really young when she started getting them first, so she didn't really know. But then she kind of figured out she's getting posts. It's in her name. It's personal to her. You know, she's so small. She's getting a gift. For, it's in her name. It's it's for her. It was the colours, I think, and the pictures in the book. When she started getting them first, she'd read them upside down, point out the pictures, look at the colours pick out different designs and stuff like that. And now she has all her books in a little corner and she's a little chair over there. So she loves getting them. What would you like to say to Dolly, Sandra? I don't think I could express how thankful I am for receiving that gift. 
And for her, I don't think she'd be able to either. There's no words to describe how thankful we are for what she's done. Well, you you said it pretty good. I have to say that touches my heart because that's what I hope to do. And I, I know the little kids do love it. Like you said, it's personal to them. And I think if it's got their name on it, they're going to get that little book and they're going to make somebody sit down with them to help them yeah, read exactly, what the words yeah. Yeah. before they can do it. So uh, you don't need to thank me. That was that was plenty of thanks. Just knowing that these she's kids my are youngest. loving it. I, I have oh, four okay. children, and she's my youngest. But my other three weren't that into books. I, I picked them up here and there, but they just weren't into them. Whereas I think she's more into them because of that. The fact that she's getting them posted yeah. and she's going to know where they came from and who gave them to her. Well, that's the book lady. They love to, they love <laughs> yeah. that. By the way, they, you are the book lady. I'm, I'm the book lady. Well, I think that any anything that will draw a child's attention to a book, and if it's got something they're interested in, they're going to want, like you say, turn it upside down, look at the pictures, and do all yeah. that. But soon, uh, as they get older, like you said, they're going to want to know what that says. You know, they can. I think you've laid then, you've laid the groundwork for her now. Great. Well, that's what I wanted to do. I think it's just like that early start program that they talk about. If you can, you know, in your most impressionable years, they say, are from the age of you know one to five or something like that. And I think that that's a good time. I know that is a very impressionable stretch of time yeah. there. I know yeah. in my own life, I remember. Certain things I'll think back, and you know, when I was little, and I think, oh, they say, oh, you can't remember that. I said, well, I do, and then I'll start to say something. They'll say, well, she had to, because I never told her. <laughs> so I, I remember, you know, my first memories of like an old lady, you know, that was singing to me, trotting me on her her knee, and she was paying special attention to me, like you're saying about, you know, about that that individual attention that that's my book it's got my name on it so anyway i'm happy that it worked out well for you and you tell her that the book lady said a very special hello oh thank you thank you sandra okay. thank you so no much problem. and dolly dolly thank you so much uh, we really appreciate you giving us your time today and i'm sure all those children out there that you've helped with your books really appreciate it too getting back to my book it's like behind the scenes my life in rhinestones it's out now uh, so I think people enjoy it and my rock album I've always got some new products and my fans always seem to love me having something new and different so thank you for your time thank you Dolly okay bye 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 talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Now, good afternoon, Alwyn. Hello, how are you? Alwyn, I've been itching to play a Dolly track, so let's start with this one. That, of course, is Dolly's uh, 9 to 5 uh, song. Alwyn, that's a big song in your life. Yeah, that just reminds me of when I was about 7 or 8, about 8 maybe. And... Um, I was, my aunt and my granny used to babysit myself and my twin sister and we got to stay up late one night with orange juice and biscuits and what, nine to five. I don't think they knew what it was that we were watching. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's probably not absolutely you know, suitable for eight-year-olds. <laughs> you know, for goodness sake, we saw Watership Down after that. You can see anything. But um, no, it was, and it was just wow, you know, and she was wow. And, you know, just funny and really funny. And you didn't know, I didn't know she was such a big singer. You know, 
she was an actress. I thought, just an, you know, I didn't know much about her. And then I learned more as I got older, you know. But and that's, obviously then the that started song. you on the road of being a super fan. That, yeah, he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't exactly? Yeah, I have to say that was such a treat to to actually get to talk to Dolly Parton. It's it's Hi, uh, fabulous. <laughs> how fabulous! It doesn't get more fabulous, does it? Listen, you, we were talking about Dolly Day. You were down there. That was amazing. I used to live in the store and um, where, where it was done, and I had a friend that lives in she's from Ireland but she lives in London in Brighton so she came over and we all got dressed up but like they gave out wigs and clothes but my and she loved it she thought it was amazing just to come home for it but like my sister and I took it like very we took things other level you know you had, they gave you ideas of what you look like in a picture we're like no 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 we're going for amazing like I wanted to go we got like an outfit made my sister was on a search for a dress she went as a photograph with Dolly holding a kitten. So, yeah, because know, just just to explain much. to people, it was very, very strict because, of course, the Guinness Book of Records people yeah. were involved. So you had to actually match uh, an outfit that Dolly had been photographed in. So, yeah, yeah. so some people like were going for the photograph. yeah. So some people were going for the simpler, the simpler kind of white shirt, you know, yeah, skinny they had, trousers. They had about four or five um, ideas for people to follow. So, you know, you don't have to buy a lot. You know, there was one in a row. There was two women dressed as um, the Playboy bunnies and they were ladies of a certain age and they looked amazing, like amazing. So, you know, there was and children and dogs and babies and every, it, it, it was unbelievable. I mean, there was so many people in wigs and balloons. <laughs> you can tell <laughs> with the exactly. balloons. Men, women, I've never seen so many. It, it was Amazing! It was so and such good fun. So we went as. So if you wanted to go off the ideas, the five or six ideas they thought of, then you had to bring a photograph. So I went as 1976 Dolly in a pink. She was at the Grammys and she won the Grammys. I think it was the Grammys. She wore a pink jumpsuit. Oh, so wow. my friend helped me make, make it. And I, there's a photograph of Dolly with a little cat. And my sister went with a little cat, with a little toy cat. And my friend from London went as rhinestone dolly. So she brought a cardboard photograph of um, Sylvester Stallone because she was in a film called Rhinestone with Sylvester Stallone. So she was walking around with a cardboard oh photograph of um <laughs> And the, the, the man was very impressed. Eugene was very impressed. But, um, and we were padding up. We were padding up. You know, I have shoulder pads. My sister, we've got a lot of shoulder plaids mm-hmm. from the 80s. I have a lot of aunties. So um, we used the shoulder pad. And you know, you just, I had catheter bags because that's, we have a lot, you just improvise. And, um, sorry, sorry. You, you know, you, you just. What you did you just, say you were was, using I, for, for, for? I had catheter bags. I didn't realise catheter bags are different sizes and they actually go down. So I had to keep pumping one. I think it was my left boob. I had to keep pumping up. Which is, yeah, <laughs> okay. not as good as an idea as you think. You're better with balloons. Balloons seem to be better, but um, and yeah, you just wanted to go more and more. You were like, "This is, I can understand. I feel like my waist needs to be smaller, my boobs need to be big. It's a lot. Of, I mean, yeah, you can kind of get into the dolly big time. But um, I got these amazing wigs and um, styled by a woman called Nisha. She's from Nisha Hair. Styling, she's from um, London. Yeah, you're a hairdresser I, yourself, Alwyn, are we? Are you, could you not do that yourself? Nisha, no, Nisha's another. Nisha is another level, another level. So she makes, she styles um, amazing wigs. So she um, has 
a dolly wig, like a dolly styled wig, and I went, oh, Misha, could could you maybe make one of these wigs for me for this time period? And she said yes. And then I think I need two because of a twin sister. And if she took one, if she wouldn't be, she'd be so disappointed with my dolly wig, but she'd want one herself. So we got two wigs, and they were amazing. And I wear them out, and you always have feel you have a dolly in you when you wear this wig. But she's a very good Nisha hairstyling from London. She styled the wig for Dolly with her Rockstar album. Oh, she actually has worked with Dolly wig. herself. Yeah, she's the the wig you'll see Dolly you'll, the wig Dolly's hair yes. on the Rockstar album. Yes. That's Nisha's creation. Wow, wow! So yeah, you went wow. right to the top, Alwyn. You no no messing with you. I didn't know she did this. Is after I didn't know she did did that until after. Like oh, I feel so blessed. <laughs> Uh, have you seen her? Have you seen Dolly live? Yes, I got to see her. She didn't. She did a big tour. I think it was in the two thousand and maybe five or six. She did the world tour. So I was living in Australia at the time, mm-hmm. and so she would have done Australia and Ireland and everywhere. So that was it. I was like, oh, I've got to go see her, and it was amazing. She was. I mean, it was a blue, very bluegrass. It was all her family were on stage. It was the best put together concert I think I've ever been to and um, just really well put together and, and all the songs you know but amazing she's known for so many different styles of country bluegrass and I think she played the played the trumpet or something at one point it was very good yeah she's amazing she's amazing, Alan, amazing. Th- thanks for that it's amazing <laughs> you really are a hardcore fan for sure it's, well he isn't uh, have a bit of dolly in your life you have to have she's a bit amazing. of dolly and this is one of my favourite Dolly tracks. Can we have a Can we have a blast of Jolene? Do we have her? Ah, yeah. Please don't take him just because you can. Uh, Alwyn, what's your favourite Dolly track of all of them? Do you have a favourite? Or is it like picking yeah. a favourite child? It's like picking a favourite child. Um, but there, there's ones we know, but then there's... She did um, The House of the Rising Sun. That I knew, but yeah. that is her amazing. Like her one of doing that is amazing. And yeah, Silver Daggers. There's just so many. Silver Daggers are really good. And yeah. her own songs are just beautiful, just very inspiring. You surely have gone to Dollywood, Alwyn, have you? No, I haven't. I think I'll go there when I'm like 60 and with my twin. I'll be like oh, the older. I, can't, I, actually, go. I actually can't believe you haven't made it to Dollywood yet. I know. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. OK, OK. So. I, uh, Carl, you've been to Dollywood, have you? I have indeed, Katie. What a place. Fantastic. Um, tell me, I, I actually would love to go. It's on my little um, bucket list as well. How did you get there? Why did you get there? Well, the reason why I went there, I was hitting 40 years old. And, you know, when you've got a roundy birthday, you think, I'm going to go big now. You have to go big for the roundy birthdays. Anyway, I thought about all the places I wanted to visit. So, and being a big country music fan, this was the perfect excuse to go to Nashville and Dollywood. So that's what I did. It was a fantastic trip. You know, so, yeah, it, it was just, to be honest, yes, it was around Nashville and all that, but it was really, Dollywood was going to be the pinnacle of the whole thing. And what do you actually do in Dollywood, though? <laughs> so Dollywood now, I, I'll be honest, it's a few years since I've been there, so so it has changed a lot now. But like it is a theme park, but it's not like other theme parks. It's um, it's kind of it's quite homely in a way, you know. Like the streets are very old-fashioned shop fronts on them. 
There's a replica of the cabin Dolly grew up in. There's a steam train that takes you out to a forest area. Uh, and there is a Dolly Museum. So so in that, like she was talking about all the things she has in her book, so I actually got to see them in the museum itself at the time. I believe it's it's all changed now. But um, And I saw her tour bus. You could sit in and sit in the driver's seat and sit in Dolly's bed and everything. And it was just fantastic. You know, it's, it's, it's not like any other place. That's the only way I can put it. And I'm so, I mean, what other star could actually have a whole theme park that would work around them? Uh, like, what is it about Dolly? For you, Carl, what is it about Dolly that makes her, you know, sets her apart? Well, I think in terms of, like, I've been listening to Dolly ever since I was a kid. And, you know, the, the one thing about Dolly is that she hasn't kind of stuck to a formula now as she goes on and on in age. You know, she she aligns herself, for example, with people like Myri Cyrus that have a different audience than he, she has. So she'll, you know, put a record out with her. She'll put a record out, a gospel record out with somebody else. You know, as well as all her own classic tracks and she just keeps evolving all the time. But apart from the music, I think Dolly is just such an amazing person. I mean, who else do you know that that gives back as much as she did. I mean, we heard about her books earlier. You know, you could take the example when there was wildfires in Tennessee a few years ago. Very quickly, Dolly put together a package for people that were affected and she's going to give them a lump sum and then pay them every month. You know, she does more, she did more than the government did for them. You know, it's just, the one of the reasons I love her is that she's never forgotten where or what she came from. And so she consciously gives back and there isn't many people you can say that do that, you know. Yeah, her like her backstory is really incredible. Like where she came out of and what how she you know what she made of herself and how savvy she was, you know, in business and and you know and how creative she's just an extraordinary, just an, extra, just an extraordinary person on every level. Uh, let me put out the give out the WhatsApp number. Um, 87 184 uh, If you have a Dolly story you want to share with us, uh, 51551 is our text line as always. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Oh my God, I love that song so much. Um, we were talking to Sandra, or, or actually I should say, Sandra was talking to Dolly um, and uh, telling her about how much her little girl loves those books. Uh, Liam, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How's it going? Liam, and I need I think we need to get this out of the way right away. You are not a big Dolly fan. Uh, well, <laughs> look, I, I knew of her and I enjoyed what little I did know, but no, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been a massive fan. But now you are. I well, definitely, yeah. What she's done for us. Yeah, tell us. You all, your little girl also uh, ha, has gets these books from the Imagination Library. Yeah, yeah. So when she was brand new, the community nurse uh, told us about it. So we filled in the form. So she's been getting uh, a book a month since she's been zero years old. Um, and yeah, we love it. She loves getting posts. That's for her. Um, she loves opening it up and looking at the new book. They're very good at making the book match her age, which is something that we might struggle with. Um, yeah, and she, she, she really does enjoy getting these books and reading them with me and her mum. So, so tell me, you have a little bedroom routine, don't you? We do, yeah. I kind of, um, she's a very mammy-oriented child. I'm <laughs> very much in second place, so mum gets to read her stories every night. They sit, they sit on the armchair uh, together, um, 
in in Hannah's Hannah's my uh, daughter's name. So in her room, she has a little armchair. So my wife sits on that. Hannah sits on her lap, and they read two stories. Sometimes she talks herself into a third story. Sometimes I talk myself into getting onto the chair and giving a story. But it is. It's it's every every night without fail, and it's been been taken away as a punishment on a couple of occasions it has it has worked uh, as a lesson learner so she just loves it she does and, and she she tries to read by herself sometimes as well just to go through the pages and mumbles things yeah i know i, I know because you said that, that that when you go down you can actually hear her on the child monitor yeah trying to read yeah. the books herself trying to read the books sometimes <laughs> sometimes by memory sometimes just whatever words occur to her while she's uh, flipping through them. Like, isn't it just such a gift to give a child? That's like, it's, yeah. there's nothing better than it, I think. It is. It's, it stands to you. It's good, good for your brain and it's something that you'll get the benefit of for your entire life. And you'll always have this time with her reading these books because I remember this from my little ones when they were that age. It's just such a lovely thing to do. Yeah, try to be very aware that it is it is temporary that she isn't always going to want to uh, sit with us and do a story or, or dance with us. So having those moments now and having them frequently is definitely uh, something that I'll treasure. Yeah. And are you are you now officially a Dolly fan, Liam? I am now officially a Dolly fan. <laughs> I won't I won't go against people who've been um, who were on with you earlier who have been uh, following all their lives and claim to be their number one fan but I'm definitely a fan OK we will let you into the club Liam uh, Thank you <laughs> We have it OK thanks for that Liam uh, Now uh, if you're listening to uh, our interview with Dolly uh, we were talking about that night in Paddy O'Shea's pub in Ventry uh, which Dolly remembers very clearly uh, when she landed into the pub and she was persuaded to sing a song Listen to this you know I'm speaking Irish, I presume. But anyhow, that's our language back in this part of the peninsula. But you're very welcome to Ardevoher. And... Uh, I was thinking this evening what would be the best present to give you and uh, the last big, big night we had here was in 1985 when I captained the Kerry team and we won the All-Ireland and this is my jersey and, and it hasn't been washed since so and I had not planned to sing tonight. I was going to be entertained, but uh, he says he knows my song, Coat of Many Colors, and he asked me if I would sing it. And I thank all of you for being fans, and I'm having a great time here. So we don't know how we're going to sound because this is a first for both of us, but uh, this is a song I wrote that's a true story from my own life, and I'm sure a lot of you folks can relate to it. So I hope maybe we do okay. You're Steve, right? That's right. And you're what? Shamus? Well, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, just start kicking there. Back through the 
I go wandering once again Back to the seasons of my youth I do recall a box of rags that someone gave us And how my mama put the rags to use Now there were rags of many colors But every piece was small Steve Cooney, good afternoon. Hello, hello. Is that, that is you we can hear backing Dolly there in Paddy O'Shea's pub. It is. Are we on air? <laughs> we Jamie? are on air. We're live. Hello. Oh, great, great. First time on live line. Great. <laughs> Steve. That's amazing. It's, it's quite emotional hearing, hearing for a start, hearing Paddy introducing that and yeah. bringing me back and, and to hear the excitement in the air. Uh, people were so excited that she was there. And it was it was you, really, we have to thank for the fact that she actually sang. <laughs> well, you couldn't let, the, couldn't let the moment slip. I mean, there she was sitting there. She'd been to... Uh, well, I, I should just give you some background that Seamus Begley, God rest him, yeah. and myself used to play every Sunday in Portichet's pub. And then we got a message that uh, Dolly was coming to our gig the next Sunday. Uh, and we, the message was, uh, Miss Parton wants a table near the band, but not too near the band. <laughs> so <laughs> it was so quite fun. But we had a go, always had a good crowd in parties. But this night it was uh, full to overflowing, of course, and everyone done up to the nines. But we did our show, and it was hot, hot all night. And then uh, after the show, I went across to her and said, "Would, would you sing a song?" Because you couldn't let that moment slip, could you? If I, if you if you hadn't have asked her, you would have you kicked yourself. Kicked yourself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did she respond? Well, I wish I could do a Tennessee accent, which I can't. <laughs> but she said, uh, "Well, I don't think you'd know any of my music." And I said, "Well, I know Code of Many Colors." I said, and um, which wasn't exactly true, <laughs> but I had heard it because because I'd produced it in the studio. Um, some more than 10 years previously in Australia, a woman called Shona McDowell, a singer I had produced her record. So it was lodged somewhere in the back of the brain. And so I figured, I was hoping I could bluff it. Wow. And so she said, okay, play it. So she said to me, and she instantly snapped into ultra professional Johnny Dolly, because she's so professional. So now my bluff was being called. She called my bluff. So I had to kind of pick along and, uh, do the best I could. See, when when you're accompanying somebody, you're always monitoring little cues. You're listening to the melody to predict where the chords are going to go and you're listening to breaths. But she didn't give me any hints or help at all. She just sat there silently listening to me play. So I was kind of hung out to drive slightly. But uh, And then once she said, you missed that chord. I sorry, ma'am, sorry, ma'am. Blah, blah, blah. But she was happy enough. So she said, okay, let's do it. And so you did it. So, so sorry, Steve, I just picture this. So you're over to one side and she's basically putting you through your paces to see, are you good enough to back her up before yeah, she stands or, up? Or, or, <laughs> love it. Auditioning me and auditioning me, of course. But those those Americans, particularly in Nashville and particularly Dolly, they are so professional. And so uh, you just you had to come up with the goods. So I, I went across and just asked her, to do it but she put me through me paces before she'd agree but uh so then she came up and just turned it on and put on the show welcome to dinglewood i think she said and she she's such a great entertainer she was and she sounded amazing and you sounded amazing it's incredible that you actually didn't even know that song uh, a few minutes previously yeah, 
just listening to it there now, of course, I was cringing a bit, thinking, mm, I'm not sure about that chord, or maybe I was overplaying there. Uh, but, of course, the excitement of the of the night would have kind of carried me away. But we survived. We survived. But uh, just let me congratulate you. That was a great interview you did with Dolly. It's brilliant to hear it. And didn't she sound fantastic? She just is fantastic. Let's. She is just such a superstar. Uh, yeah. What, um, what was she doing in Kerry that time? Do you know? To be honest, I really don't know. She said on your interview, she said she was with her friend Walter, somebody, I don't know. The impression I got at the time was that her manager was a Kerry man and she was holidaying, this might be completely wrong, but she was holidaying somewhere in South Kerry and uh, we were in West Kerry, but she wanted to hear real Irish traditional music. So so I suppose her friend brought her to... um, West Kerry to Portis to, to for the night. No, and I, I loved her trying to pronounce Seamus Begley's name as well. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Portie with the uh, with the Gansey. Uh, uh, with the Gansey and the Cupola Focal. Uh, Fantastic. Do you know one great thing about Dolly? When COVID hit a few years ago, bang, there she was uh, donating money for vaccine research. Didn't she? She gave a huge amount of money for the Moderna vaccine. That's right. Yeah. Amazing. It wasn't a a million dollars or something she put into that. I mean, that's the kind of person she is. Bang. She's just right in the moment. She is right in the moment. Steve, I have a huge number of people hanging on the line here who want to talk to me about Dolly. Uh, Thank you. That is so brilliant that we got got to talk to you uh, and heard the backstory of that amazing recording. And we also are going to be talking to the woman who has been dubbed by the enemy as Dublin's answer to Dolly. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And let me bring in Christine now. Christine, good afternoon. Hello, Katie. How are you? I'm great, Christine. You'll have to excuse my voice. I have a head cold, so I'm a bit croaky. So, <laughs> okay. um, but you're a big you're a big Dolly fan as well, Christine. Yeah, I go for music. Yeah, I was just saying there on that. I sent in the text actually because um, my first encounter with Dolly's partner music was back in the seventies, and like that time we lived out the country and. Um, a friend of mine had a Dolly Parton tape, which it was then, the little small reel tapes, and we used to play it on a portable tape recorder. And I can remember those songs like uh, Down From Dover and Daddy Come And Get Me, and those songs, you know. And it really, I suppose, cut a, you know, it took a chord with is then because she was singing about the women's problems and as we realised probably later on an awful lot of the problems was the universal as well as in America or in Ireland like girls being abandoned by the men that thought they could depend on etc so that was why Dolly Parton music stuck a chord with me Yeah that's the thing this, the, I think and with an awful lot of women exactly that that she sort of feels the pain and you know goes there and you know sings sings yeah. songs about very serious issues yeah, but, yeah, but, but, exactly. Yeah, but in a way that is like in in a song that that is so catchy as well. It's like she can well, she can manage to like, put all that pain into lyrics, a great yeah. a great uh, a great harmony and a great a great uh, lyric. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose and even then her her honesty and her genuineness came true in those songs. You know, so uh, yeah, that's basically why. I just when I was listening to you. I was thinking, my goodness, like it's longer than I like to remember since I first heard Dolly Park music. So there we are. Thanks for that, Christine. Appreciate no appreciate you getting in touch. Uh, we're having a great yeah, Dolly thanks, day here. Daddy. Thank you. Uh, Paddy, good afternoon, Paddy. Good afternoon. Uh, 
what's your what's your Dolly story, Paddy? Well, my story is I, I was a member of the Garda Shikon, and two and two colleagues of mine went to Nashville, and we were invited by the Nashville the Police Department. So we went to Nashville, and as it turned out, the chief of the police in Nashville was a great friend of Dolly Parton, and he brought us to the old Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, and Dolly Parton was singing Marty Robbins, Janie Pruitt, Melbourne Montgomery. We went to the concert, and he brought us then backstage after the concert, and we met her. <gasps> you met her? Be, yes. She had to be the nicest person we ever met. Now, we got some photographs taken with her. That's, that's up 1974. So she came back here a good few years after, and we, had, we, brought, we met her in the points. After the concert. Hang on a second, hang on a second. You're saying you you measure in the point, well, having met her in the 70s. How did you yeah. get back, how did you get to meet her in the point? Because through the guards as well when I was here, I, I got back in touch with my friend in Nashville and he wrote to her and said that my, the, friend, the friend that she met in Nashville would be back, would be in Dublin. Now, she had never been to Ireland and Dolly Wood or anything was never built at that stage and she was a rising star really, but... I, when we got to the point we had the photographs taken and we showed them to her and she said, she looked at the photographs and she said, my God, you three guys never changed a bit. And I said, you didn't change much yourself, Dolly, I said. And she turned around and she says, well, actually, I think you three guys had no, had no work done, but she I had a lot of lips and tucks done since then. But she had never been to Ireland. She always wanted to come to Ireland. And when she came to Ireland, I met her three or four times here as well. But, so you're... Uh, you're you're practically her best friend, Paddy, by our standards. Well, I <laughs> I, but I mean, I, I knew when, when, when she was really only starting out because all those great stars were, were there was the old Ryman Auditorium for anyone who doesn't know Nashville. There's a new uh, Opry land there now. But the Dollywood, that, none of that place existed at that stage. But she was always a real down there country, you know, the, the country woman and, and uh, she said I'd love to come to Ireland and she says you guys travel all this way over here and she says I can't even I, I have never travelled so she says someday I'll definitely go and since that no, I didn't bring her here but I mean since that she's been here I saw her in Kelly when she was in Nolan Park she's been here loads of times you know Yeah. but uh, as I said before like very down to earth and uh she, we, I, we were, she was talking about her wigs and the many she wear, like just as if we were sitting in a pub talking, you know. And there was an addressing room after, and there was a lot of big stars. There was Marty Roberts, he's passed away since. There was Janie Pruitt, Mel Montgomery, big stars that were there. Like Roy Acuff, they were all in the dressing room after. So we had a couple of hours talking there. And would you believe at that stage, you couldn't have a drink in, in, in Nashville in the dressing room after, you know. Yeah. So we were sitting around having chat, you know, but I mean, I, I could never forget that that's time we were actually in Nashville. That is a brilliant story, Paddy. Yeah. A lot of people would be very envious of that now. That's one yeah. you could Look, dine I'll, out I'll, in I'll for a long time. For, I'll, send the, I'll send the photographs to you, anyhow. Do, do. And we'll, we'll, I will, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love no to problem. see that, Paddy. Yeah, thanks, yeah, yeah. Th- thanks a million for that. I have got Dublin's answer to Dolly on the line now. CMAT, good afternoon. Hello, how are you? I am... In great form, Seamat. How are you? I'm in also great form. <laughs> it's a bit of a week for me. It's a bit it's a bit crazy, but I'm in pretty good form. Great. You are a massive, massive Dolly fan, as as well as being compared to her, uh, you know, very frequently, obviously. Yes. I mean, yes. I mean, there's a reason I'm compared to her frequently, and it's because I, 
probably copy everything she does, but in a in a Dubliny way, so it's fine. Okay. How did you did t- talk <laughs> to me about how you got into Dali in the first place? Do you know it's funny? I I really can't pinpoint when my obsession began. Like I think I would have heard about her before I heard her. Like I remember her being like the butt of a lot of jokes and stuff on the telly and radio, and I loved country music. So I think I think when I was like thirteen, I accidentally downloaded the wrong version of like something, and I, I and I actually ended up listening to Jolene for the first time and uh, I would have been like 12 or something and then that just changed the trajectory of my life I think <laughs> yeah. that was your sliding yeah. doors moment it kind of was I think any any interaction I've ever had with like Dolly culture generally seems to uh, encourage a significant shift on how I live my day to day life so yeah, we were laughing about this earlier, the, 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 the idea that you should live your life by the mantra. What would Dolly do? It's a good mantra, you know, because she's a lovely woman and and she's uh, she doesn't care what people think of her, which I think is, is really important. I'm kind of like a fountain of Dolly knowledge and like she she she's really had like a difficult time. You know, like the first time she ever appeared on the Porter Wagner show, everybody booed her because they didn't like her because they wanted Norma Jean back the original singer and it's like she was like 19 and her first ever appearance on television they just saw her and immediately booed her off stage like no we don't like this and like she's kind of had to deal with that her whole life she's always been you know subject to I guess like a like low level harassment almost by like the public because they don't like that she's so forward with her like sexuality and her artistry and she's just really loud and talkative and camp and high energy and people are often you know put off by that um when it's a woman doing it especially you know you know I think we kind of forget that because I think now I do think there is a sort of a universal love kind of on a huge other level for Dolly Parton but not so long ago she was kind of a little bit of a figure of fun because of her figure because she was so as you say so you know out you know putting herself out there uh, you know in terms of her style Uh, and there was a sort of a a bit of ridicule in, in the in the commentary around her. Yeah. And like, you know, if if anyone is the queen of taking, you know, the Mickey out of Dolly Parton, it's Dolly Parton. Like she does love to make fun of herself and poke fun of herself. But I think that in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, like early to mid 2000s, she was actually the butt of jokes and they weren't very kind. Like I think the best example of this is there's an episode of The Simpsons where she appears in it and all of the jokes about her at that point are are very mean-spirited actually and they really don't take her seriously and you know obviously she gets involved she joins in on it because she doesn't ever want to be seen to be taking herself seriously but I feel like now we have kind of looked back on all that treatment of her and said actually that was very unfair because she is one of the greatest songwriters in the world and bar none. it shouldn't be that bar none bar absolutely none no, like the best songwriter and probably the most prolific songwriter as well. And now we have a lot of reverence for her. Do you have you have your paths ever actually crossed? Like she 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 no. must know about you, surely, Seamus. I don't I don't know if she knows about me. Um, I think that if I ever was even 
on like a Zoom call with her, something I would collapse. So I don't know. I feel like maybe she's been kept away from me for my own health and safety. I don't know. But um, I mean, I don't I don't think she's aware of my existence, to be honest with oh you. Oh, my but, God. Um, we have to do something about that. That is. Listen, t- t- tell everybody else about your existence because you've got a lot of things coming up. Tell us about the tour. Well, I'm I'm doing a tour, but most importantly, next summer I am playing in Fairview Park. I'm doing a headline show in Fairview Park Woo-hoo. on the 13th of June, which okay. is um, bananas and is very unexpected. And I'd imagine the, the tickets it will be aren't filled by my family. The tickets aren't <laughs> up for that yet, are they? Um, I think we're do- we're doing a pre-sale. We're doing a pre-sale today. Oh, look at you! Um, if you if you buy my album this week, you'll get access to the pre-sale because I need people to buy my album this week. Please. Okay, and your album is, of course, <laughs> Crazy Mad for Me. Yes, the critically acclaimed, widely beloved Crazy Mad for Me. It's got twelve songs on it, and they're all excellent. It is. It is. They are excellent. They are excellent. I will. I fully endorse that message. See, Matt, I'm going to let you go because we want to have one last little blast of Dolly before uh, before we uh, leave leave the show today. Oh, so fair. So fair. <laughs> okay. Can't wait. What are you going to play? Where are we going to play? Islands. It has to be islands in the stream. Oh, go on. Let's go. Absolutely. OK. OK, I want to thank all my team. I want to thank Siobhan Hogan, who set up that interview with Dolly for us um, and the rest of the team. But we'll go now because we need to hear a little bit of Dolly before. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.